Yeah, very good morning to you. I hope all is well in your world. It is Monday, the 15th of January, 2024. I'm Richie Allen. This is The Papers. It's a podcast where I look inside the daily newspapers here in the UK, beginning, as always, with the front pages. As I begin this podcast, it's exactly 6.21am. It's a recording. So there you go. It... um, It's an interesting morning. Let's begin with the Daily Telegraph. Headline, front page, Tories facing 1997-style wipeout. Most extensive election poll in five years predicts the Conservatives will retain only 169 seats in the forthcoming general election. Okay, so many newspapers today dealing with the situation in the Middle East, but also many going with domestic matters and an election which is looming this year. Um, The Conservative Party carrying a YouGov poll, again, the most extensive, extensive survey of voting attitudes and what voters are likely to do in an election this year. And it is predicting that it'll be a wipeout of the Conservatives similar to 1997, when Labour, led by Tony Blair at the time, won in a landslide. So that's the lead story in The Telegraph today. The Times headline is, Top Tories urge Sunak to toughen Rwanda bill. The Times claims that Sunak is facing pressure to toughen the Rwanda immigration bill. It quotes Conservative Party Deputy Chairman Lee Anderson, He's said, and he has told government whips, he will vote for a series of rebel amendments when the bill returns to the House of Commons tomorrow, Tuesday. So the government wants to send some asylum seekers arriving in the UK to Rwanda, um, declaring Rwanda a safe country. But backbench Tories are annoyed saying the bill doesn't go far enough. And it still allows, it would still allow for the European Court of Human Rights to intervene and to block any plans. So the rebels want the bill to basically pull the UK um, away from the jurisdiction of European courts to prevent European courts from blocking any such deportations. The I paper revealed UK grants asylum to Rwandans despite claims country is safe. This is vaudeville, okay? The I newspaper reporting that six people from Rwanda have been granted asylum in Britain since the deportation agreement between the two countries in 2022. This is vaudeville, right? So this deal with Rwanda was first signed last, uh, sorry, uh, just, just under two years ago in 2022. Since then, since the British government declared Rwanda to be a safe place to send asylum seekers, uh, Britain has accepted six asylum seekers from Rwanda, which is ridiculous. Senior politicians and lawyers, according to the I newspaper, say, well, this basically undermines Sunak's claim that Rwanda is safe and it puts his bill in doubt. The Metro, stop the debts, is the headline on the front page of the Metro. What's it about? Well, five people died in crossings, um, attempted channel crossings yesterday, Sunday. Five people died. Five people um, died in a boat. Um, 
that's pretty awful. It's also self-explanatory. We'll leave that there. Uh, the Daily Mirror, continuing the big story from last week, which was the post office scandal, uh, we can't let them off the hook, is the headline in the Mirror. And that's a battle cry, says the Mirror, from the Postmaster's champion, Alan Bates. He insists those behind the post office computer scandal must be punished by uh, the courts. The Financial Times um, goes with a post office story too. Uh, Whitehall's Project Sushi sought to block Fujitsu from contracts in the 2010s. Fujitsu is the firm behind the Horizon software, the software that failed and that um, led to so many hundreds of sub-postmasters and postmistresses being wrongfully accused of fraud. That's the Financial Times. At the Daily Express headline, Express exposes plot to shut down stock exchange. So the Daily Express says six people have been arrested on suspicion of a plot to disrupt the London Stock Exchange. The Met Police in London made the arrests after an undercover investigation by the Express exposed the plan. So who was behind it? Well, pro-Palestinian protesters apparently wanted to shut down London Stock Exchange. The Express is crowing that it uncovered this plot, let the police in on it, and the police made the arrests. As the Guardian headline front page, NHS drugs shortage poses threat to patients' lives, says pharmacists. We'll come back to that in a few minutes' time. number of the newspapers here in the UK today do feature on the front pages photographs of King Frederick X and his Australian-born wife Mary, um, the Queen of Denmark. Uh, you might have read that his mother abdicated after 52 years, his mother, Margrethe. So he's the king now, and he was crowned over the weekend. And a number of papers have a photograph of him and his wife. The Daily Mail headline, Queen's Fury over naming of baby Lilibet. Uh, the now-dead queen, uh, Queen Elizabeth II, replaced, of course, by jug ears, uh, Charles Third. Is he Charles Third or Charles II? I have no idea. I don't, yeah, Charles Third. Uh, when she was a young child, her nickname was Lilibet. Um, Harry and Meghan basically christened their daughter, Lilibet, and the Daily Mail uh, is, is running a story based on based on information given to the mail by a former palace aide who says that the Queen was very angry upon hearing that they named the kid Lilibet. Uh, the Sun, Ice to See You, Holly is the headline. That's about a television show called Dancing on Ice. And the Daily Star leads with So Long, Farewell, Ovidar saying Goodbye. Lyrics, of course, from a song in The Sound of Music. So what's it about? Well, the Daily Star says thousands of Brits will be trying to book a holiday getaway on what has become known as Blue Monday. Today, apparently, Blue Monday is a day when many, many, many Brits take to the internet, not so much to the high street these days. It used to be many years ago, you'd go to the travel office on the high street and book a holiday. Uh, these days, it's done, like everything else, it seems, online. Those are the front pages of today's UK daily newspapers. Let's have a look at some of the more interesting stories inside. And there are some interesting stories inside the papers today. Let's go straight to the Telegraph. 
Gary Lineker condemned after retweeting call for Israel football ban inside the Telegraph. So Gary Lineker is a former soccer star. Played for Spurs, for Everton, for Barcelona. Played many times for England. He has fronted the BBC's soccer or football coverage for many years now. And he also has a Twitter account with many followers. And he likes to tweet. He likes to opine on things. Why shouldn't he? That's his own business. It doesn't matter whether you agree with him or not. He should be entitled to tweet. And I've said this, by the way, no hypocrite here. You do not have a hypocrite at BBG Towers. Lineker has tweeted many things in recent years that I wouldn't agree with, but I have never done anything other than say he should be allowed to tweet whatever he likes. Yes, he does work for the BBC. And BBC staff, it is claimed, are supposed to maintain impartiality when it comes to public affairs, current affairs and geopolitics. I say that's bollocks. Gary Lineker is a football man. He's not a politician. He doesn't present a news programme. He doesn't present a current affairs programme. He doesn't sit as a panellist on news or current affairs programmes. He's a football guy. And he should tweet whatever he wanted. Even if it's woke nonsense about trans athletes, even if it's woke crap about immigration, he should tweet whatever he likes. His detractors, his opponents, should either meet him somewhere in the in 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 uh, in public, online, or or meet not online, but uh, on air somewhere. Meet him on air. Meet him maybe in a hall somewhere. Meet him at a university somewhere and debate him. Or they should shut the fuck up. It is as simple as that. Either debate the chat publicly, thrash out your views on on these issues and tell the man why it is you disagree with him or shut the fuck up. Problem we have of course in 2024, we live in dystopian tyranny. We live where an idea has come to fruition. The idea being that when somebody says something you disagree with, they should be banned. They should be fired, they should lose their job, they should be ostracised, they should be exiled. That's what people want to happen. So Lineker is being condemned by MPs and so-called Jewish leaders because he retweeted uh, a call for Israel to be banned from international football. Okay, He reposted somebody else's tweets. And it is the boycott, divestment and sanction movement. That's who he tweeted. The boycott, divestment and sanction movement, a movement which is calling for Israel, of course, to be boycotted, right, to be sanctioned, importantly, that international, the international community would punish Israel for its genocide in Gaza by sanctioning it. Um, so he retweeted, and, and now people are coming out of the woodwork to demand that the BBC deals with Gary Lineker and that it censors him or censures him or punishes him. So the tweet he reposted was on Saturday from the Palestinian campaign for the academic and boycott, uh, sorry, the academic and cultural boycott of Israel. It included a statement from the Palestinian Football Association calling upon FIFA and the International Olympic Committee to join all regional and global sporting bodies in sanctioning Israel. The statement demanded they, the, the, the FIFA and the International Olympic Committee, the, the statement demanded that they take an urgent stance towards Israel's grave violation of human rights and subject it, subject Israel, to legal accountability measures. That's all. Lindeker retweeted this. Simple as, okay? And uh, now they're calling for him to be 
censored, to be banned. The uh, Andrew Percy, a Jewish Tory MP, said to the Telegraph, Lineker is an ill-informed, ignorant commentator on the Middle East. The BDS movement, said Percy, this Tory MP, is a racist, anti-Semitic campaign and nobody who receives taxpayers' money working in the BBC should be endorsing a campaign, wait for it, that is widely understood to promote Jew hate. And this is wonderful language. Language is being, language is being hijacked by tyrants. And there, what, what, there, there was a term we used, for, word salad is a wonderful term, right? But language that appears to mean nothing, that appears to be harmless, but, but isn't. It isn't harmless and it does mean something. Widely understood to promote you. Who widely understands that the BDS movement promotes Jew hate. Who widely understands it? So this guy, Percy, the prominent Jew Jewish MP, says, um, um, a campaign widely understood to promote Jew hate. See what they're doing there? It's utter nonsense. It's word salad, but it has consequences. It has consequences because it instills a kind of a fear in people, a kind of a self-censorship, where people are, well, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be talking about that. Maybe I shouldn't be retweeting that. Maybe I shouldn't be, you know, boycotting uh, Israel, refusing to buy its products. Maybe I shouldn't be involved in that at all. So that's what's happening. They've also quoted Lee Anderson, Deputy Chairman of the Conservative Party, who wants the BBC to kick Gary Lineker into touch as well. That's inside the Telegraph today. Tyranny. That's what it is. That's what it is. Also in the Telegraph on the same issue and then we'll leave it. Uh, Suella Braverman cries during London pro-Israel rally. Now, over the weekend, about a quarter of a million people took to the streets of the UK uh, to condemn the genocide in Gaza and to mark 100 days since Israel began bombing the Gaza Strip, OK? Yeah, um, but there was a counter uh, rally over the weekend. A paltry 25,000 people turned out in London, and it is poultry, uh, compared to the pro-Palestine event. 25,000 people turned out um, in a pro-Israel rally, and former Home Secretary Suella Braverman was photographed wiping away tears at this event in Trafalgar Square in central London. We'll leave that. As The Guardian, now this is the front page story on The Guardian, uh, in The Guardian today, the front page story uh, the newspaper is running with medicines shortage putting lives at risk pharmacists warn an unprecedented medicines shortage in the NHS is endangering lives pharmacists have said as unpublished figures revealed that the number of products in short supply has doubled in two years the number of products in short supply doubling in two years a treatment for controlling epileptic seizures was the latest to be added on Wednesday to a UK drugs shortage list that includes treatments for conditions ranging from cancer to schizophrenia and type 2 diabetes now this article in the Guardian unsurprisingly goes on to blame Brexit for the uh, shortage in medicine saying that the plummeting purchasing value of the pound since the Brexit referendum reduces the NHS's ability to source medicines abroad. OK, so it's blaming Brexit, the article. Um, twice uh, 
uh, as many products in short supply now compared to two years ago. It's interesting, as you mentioned, drugs which would control epileptic seizures are in short supply. We know that there is an avalanche of evidence that suggested that suggests even that CBD oil um, is hugely uh, successful in treating epileptic seizures. And while I'm speaking to you now, um, let me just, yeah, let me just bring that up because I don't want to give you false information. Uh, yeah, let me do that now. Let me do that now. Because we've interviewed a number of people over the years who came on the programme to talk about how medical marijuana is effective, incredibly effective in treating very serious epilepsy, where we we spoke with the parents of children, Vera Toomey in Cork, uh, in, uh, in the Republic of Ireland, of course, came on to talk about her daughter, um, and yet people in this country and in Ireland and in other countries cannot access this. So you, you get the point I'm making. So on the one hand, they say, well, big big pharmaceutical uh, drugs are in short supply because of the Brexit referendum. and The purchasing power of the pound isn't what it once was. Um, we say that there are uh, anti-seizure, that the anti-seizure properties of medical marijuana are proven. It's safe. There are no side effects. And yet people can't get access to these drugs. So let's leave that one uh, there. Can't get access, excuse me, to the plant, to the medicine. Uh, the Times runs with uh, a story inside the paper today, measles alert as children go without MMR vaccine. This is interesting. Health chiefs are warning there is a risk that measles will return across the UK after low vaccine rates led to a led to a large outbreak in the Midlands. The Times writes, seven years after measles was briefly eliminated as an endemic disease in Britain, hospitals in and around Birmingham said they had been dealing with their biggest outbreak in years. Leading immunologists have warned that, uh, that unless more children are vaccinated, more hospital admissions and even deaths could be expected. Now, this is monumental bollocks. You have more chance of winning the lottery than you have of dying from measles. Um, a child has more chance of winning the lottery, not that a child uh, can play the lottery, of course, because you have to be over 18 to play the lottery. But uh, that's, about, that's about right. It's preposterous to claim that um, measles is coming back and that this risks uh, death in children and hospital admissions. It is absolute bollocks. I won't get into the figures because I've done it too many times on the other programme. The question, of course, begs to be asked why our kids not having the MMR jab. And I would suggest the reason the children are not having the MMR jab in the numbers that we would have seen maybe five, ten years ago, I would say, and this is just a guess, the reason is, is that there is an understanding in society that the the the, the COVID jabs rolled out in very late 2020, the, the MMR, uh, or a COVID jabs and the traditional COVID jab, I the the the, the, the traditional one being the atten the attenuated um, uh, jab, they're causing widespread harm in society, and I reckon this is known. It's known at a community level. It's known in society that the COVID jabs have done have caused catastrophic harm. 
right across the country, not just here, but Europe, the United States and everywhere else in the world. And this is known. I reckon this is known. And now parents are a little bit more reluctant, a little bit more reluctant to take their kids for a jab that they might think, well, maybe they don't need it. And that's uh, a, a story in the Times today. Last year, the UK Health Security Agency predicted the risk of a nationwide measles epidemic was low, but as a consequence of falling immunity, sustained outbreaks would be inevitable in areas with the lowest vaccination levels. And what's interesting is the the UK Health Security Agency is calling on parents, okay, to uh, whose kids have not been vaccinated, to vaccinate them before going to school. Uh, for the first time, before uh, ha- b- 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 before uh, entering primary school, effectively. So they're saying, get out now, get your kid vaccinated. And I wonder if this will morph, if this will kind of snowball, and that sometime in the next year or so, or maybe beyond, they might um, st- start talking again about sanctioning parents who don't go and have... Uh, who, who don't take their children for the MMR jab because that's something that's been mooted over the years the idea that you might fine parents maybe working parents and if parents are not working or if parents are receiving work um, in work benefits right where their employment where, where their salary isn't enough to sustain them so they top up their salary with benefits provided by the government that maybe there will be sanctions on those benefits in uh, the future if parents don't take the kids to be given the MMR job. That's interesting. Uh, the Times, stop funding grassroots sports that allow transgender women. That's self-explanatory. Fair Play for Women is a, is a, is an adv- is a group which advocates for the rights of women in sport. It is now calling on the government to make the public funding of sport dependent on sports bodies providing a protected female category in which transgender women or men cannot compete at any level. According to the Times, most British sports now have bans on transgender women taking part in female competitive events, but Fair Play for Women has published a report it says shows widespread evidence of women and girls experiencing adverse effects from competing against trans women at grassroots and non-elite levels. So while professional sports are banning trans women or men, because there is no such thing as a trans woman, we're talking about men, men even, so most elite sports, professional sports, are banning this at grassroots level and at non-elite level it continues and Fair Play for Women is saying we need legislation to prevent this. The madness of having to call for this. The madness. Uh, Fair Play for Women want uh, sports to restrict the female category in elite and community sport to those born female and to make protected female only provision a condition of funding. It says local authorities and gyms should ensure female changing rooms and toilets will not permit anyone born male to use them and that schools and clubs should not have mixed uh, sex sports. Again, the madness of having to call for this publicly. Uh, Go back to the Telegraph momentarily. Uh, Camilla 
Tomini, I think an associate editor of The Telegraph, uh, headline, The COVID Extremists Can't Bear That Nobody Is Listening to Them. That's an interesting story, that, because there have been a number of newspaper articles in the last couple of weeks, and the broadcast media have picked up on this JN.1 COVID variant. There's been a bit of scaremongering in the media about, um, you know, there's a new variant and hospital admissions are up and this variant is more transmissible and all of that old jazz. But Camilla Tomini is writing in The Telegraph today, the wonderful thing about all of this is nobody is listening and the COVID extremists are really pissed off. She talks about how masks were made mandatory in hospitals and healthcare centres in Spain this week, um, despite opposition from many of Spain's 17 autonomous regions. Uh, 17 autonomous regions' mayors and uh, leaders in those regions arguing the measures should be recommended but not obligatory. She talks in her article about how the usual suspects are once again sharing all the latest coronavirus data, talking about the ore rate, talking about hospitalisations. But in general, people in the UK, she writes in her article, have had enough of this bollocks and are not paying attention to it at all and carrying on as normal. And maybe that's what should have happened back in 2020. Camilla Tomini writing in The Telegraph. Uh, The Daily Mail, let's have a look inside. Voters across the UK want tougher immigration policies with 80% in favour of annual net migration being brought under 100,000 research fines. So voters across the country want tougher immigration policies, 80% in favour of drastically reducing net migration. Um, The analysis found, according to the Daily Mail, uh, people in almost 9 out of 10 parliamentary constituencies favoured fewer arrivals and tougher controls. Some 80% wanted annual net migration. So net migration basically is those moving to Britain. um, So you take those who move to Britain and you subtract the number who emigrate, okay, 80% want the figure to be under 100,000, way below the record 745,000 registered in 2022. So this is a think tank called Onward. Onward says only 75 seats out of 650 across the UK um, showed, showed residents wanting more people to come in from overseas. I'd love to know where those constituencies are, where 75, um, I'd love to know where those 75 seats are. It doesn't say in the Daily Mail where people actually want more people to move from overseas. So the net migration was 745,000 to June 2022, but the figure dropped slightly. Uh, The figure to the year June 2023 was 672,000, meaning that the country grew in population by 672,000, which is about two good-sized cities, isn't it? Yeah, madness. Um, That's pretty much it for the papers today. There isn't much really that um, I can tell you. I'm I'm looking at the BBC News website. Uh, Pothole reports hit a five-year high, but can new tech end them for good? So the number of traffic, the number of incidents where cars break down and it is related to the car hitting potholes. Um, So if you're driving in your car and you hit a pothole 
and then this leads to damage to the car. Incidents like that are on the rise because the country is plagued by potholes and um, the BBC's science and environment editor is suggesting that technology might be able to deal with these pothole problems around the country. Uh, The BBC is also reporting that the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak will address members of Parliament today, Monday, to talk about the UK joining the US in striking uh, Houthi militants inside Yemen. So that's all uh, really there is to say about the BBC News website. Today, this day, Monday, the 15th of January, 2024. That's it for the papers. Thanks for listening to to the podcast. Thank you for sharing it. I'm Richie Allen and I will be live today at four o'clock UK time on the Richie Allen radio show. I've got two good guests lined up for you and plenty of things to talk about. So I hope you can join me there. Until then, from me, enjoy the rest of your Monday. Sloan Tomal. Bye.